Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. Our scripture passage today comes to us from John chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. Hear these words from the Lord. After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and sat down, surrounded by his disciples. When Jesus looked out and saw that a large crowd had arrived, he had compassion on them. He said to Philip to stretch his faith because he already knew what he was going to do. Where can we buy bread to feed these people? Philip answered, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person to get even a piece. One of the disciples It was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, said, There's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But that's just a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place, and they sat down about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread, and having given thanks, he gave it to all of those who were seated, and he did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he said to his disciples, gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. And they went to work and filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from the five barley loaves. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had done. And they said, this is the prophet for sure, God's prophet right here in Galilee. Aside from the resurrection of Jesus, feeding the multitude is the only other miracle that is present in all four Gospels. We find this story in Matthew 14, in Mark 6, in Luke 9, and here in our passage in John chapter 6. Although each gospel writer tells the story from their own perspective with a few minor details in difference, they are strikingly similar, which is important to me because I believe it lets us know that the impact of this moment, the meaningfulness of it, 
was so important to our gospel writers that each one of them wanted to include this story in their sharing of their life experience with Jesus. So today I want to share some insights from this miraculous story with you for a specific purpose, to prepare our hearts and minds as we move into March, which is our Mission Mobilization Emphasis Month. We will have the opportunity together to get hands-on with our mission partners. JCBC does this every year, and you join together to make a difference in our community. So I want to share with you three different lessons from this passage of Scripture. These three lessons are simple, and they may be obvious, but I think they have great impact on how we prepare our hearts to serve our neighbors in our community and around the world. These three lessons are, One, compassion is a Christ-like virtue. Two, scarcity seems obvious, but abundance is available. And the final one, a drop in the bucket has a basket full of potential. First, compassion is a Christ-like virtue. Our children are now adults, but when they were little, I tried to teach them about virtues. And the simple definition of a virtue is a good thing. I can remember saying things like, patience is a virtue, and that is a good thing. I said a virtue is a good thing so often that my children learned it and would repeat the mantra with me. We want to be compassionate, and compassion is a virtue, and two little voices would say, and that's a good thing. We talked about virtues being like fruits of the Spirit that the Bible tells us that when we follow Jesus, you should be able to tell because we have fruits or virtues like love, joy, peace, kindness, generosity, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Good things that show that we want to act like Jesus. In both Matthew and Mark's versions of this story of feeding the multitude, the gospel writer points out that Jesus has deep compassion for the people that led him to teach them and to heal the sick. And we are not surprised by that because we know that God loves us so much. And therefore, God on earth Jesus is filled with compassion for all people. 
but I want to talk about compassion in the midst of what? Our scripture today begins with the words, after that, Jesus crossed the Sea of Galilee. After what? It is helpful for us to have some context, some background around this text. Jesus has begun his ministry. He has called his disciples. He has sent them out to by two into the villages surrounding Capernaum. And he has empowered them with the ability to share the good news and to even heal the sick. Today in our story, the disciples have returned from their travels and some of them bear bad news. Some of them come to Jesus to let him know the devastating reality that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been killed. That in, John has been imprisoned by Herod for quite a while back in Jerusalem. And in a drastic turn of events, John the Baptist has been beheaded. And so Jesus pulls his disciples together and says, let's escape for a little while. Let's leave and cross the Sea of Galilee and go spend some time together in prayer and apart. So Jesus and the disciples get into a boat in Capernaum, which is at the top edge of the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a large lake. And they head across the top edge of the lake to a much more deserted area just south of a village called Bethsaida. But as they cross the Sea of Galilee, the people can see them going. During all this time that the disciples have been away, Jesus has been teaching and preaching and healing the sick in Capernaum, and he has developed quite a large following. So as they cross the sea to go spend some time alone, the people see the disciples get into the boat, and they rush around on foot the top of the lake to the other side. We're talking 10 to 12 miles. And by the time the boat arrives on the other side, the crowd is already beginning to gather. We know that when Jesus sees them, that despite his grief, despite his exhaustion, and honestly, the exhaustion of all of the disciples in their own physical hunger that Jesus sees them and has compassion on them. In fact, Mark tells us that he sees the crowd of people and he has the kind of compassion that is like a shepherd for the sheep that are lost in the wilderness. I know that each one of us is moved to compassion by different things at different times. But if you are like me, 
I can easily be distracted to lean away from compassion, especially if I'm exhausted or busy or my mind is somewhere else. This past week, my son Turner and I were heading home to my house, and a woman had run out of gas at the entrance of our neighborhood, but had stopped just short of the turn lane that goes into our neighborhood, and so her car was blocking the right-hand lane of the road. So people were having to drive around her, and some people were even honking at her. That's not nice. <laughs> and so my response was, I said, oh, bless her heart. Too bad she didn't make it to the turn lane. But Turner said, hey, mom, if you pull up right behind her, I can get out and see if maybe I can help push her car up into the turn lane. And so that's what we did. I pulled up behind her car and put on my flashing blinkers so people were know we were stopping. And he hops out and goes around on the passenger side of her car and leans down and waves at her. And she rolls down the window and he finds out that she has run out of gas and her husband, who was on the way to bring her some gas, had a flat tire. It was a really bad day. And so Turner said, if you put your car in neutral, I will try to push your car into the turn lane so you'll be out of the road. And by the time he walks to the back of the car, two other gentlemen join him, and they try to push the car out of the road, but it wouldn't budge. I'm not sure she knew about neutral. And so Turner hops back in my car and he says, Mom, I think at your house, in your garage, you have a gas can that actually has some gas in it. Why don't we go get it and come back and put some gas in her car and I think it would be enough for her to make it a little further up the road where there's a gas station. And so that's what we did. We returned to her car, Turner puts gas in her tank and she has enough gas to move on. As he hops back in my car, I turn to him and I say, Turner, thank you so much for asking me to stop. I am so thankful for your thoughtfulness. And he made two comments which really struck me. The first was, of course, that's the kind of people you've raised us to be. The second was, unless, of course, we're on our way to work or we're really busy. Yes. Truth. Compassion is a good thing when we make space for it. And it becomes sacred when we lean into compassion in the midst of everything else going on in our lives. Friends, we are so blessed. And around us, a world is hurting Thousands of people died this week when an earthquake caused their world to crash in on them. In other countries and right down the street, people are hungry. 
before we can mobilize on mission, we must remember that we are disciples of Jesus, raised to be people of virtue, people of compassion. Jesus, upon seeing the crowd, had compassion for the people, and despite all that he was experiencing, changed his mind about seeking solitude and instead stayed and taught them and healed them. At the end of that very long day, the disciples said to Jesus, it's getting dark and we are in a deserted and rural place. You should send them away to go and find food. And Jesus looked at them and said, you feed them. Compassion is a Christ-like virtue. And that is a good thing. Which brings us to our second lesson for today. Scarcity seems obvious, but abundance is available. This story is often called the feeding of the 5,000. Though in fact... The total number of people who were fed was actually much larger than that because our first century storytellers would have identified the 5,000 men who were present. New Testament scholars tell us with women and children, there would have been thousands more. At the end of the day, when the time for the evening meal came, the disciples encouraged Jesus to send the people away. But Jesus encourages the disciples to find a way to feed them. Our passage here in John reminds us that Jesus is still training his disciples. And so he asks them for their ideas. They immediately consider their remote location and that to travel to nearby villages to get food would be several miles away. And they also noted the immense cost of purchasing food for thousands of people, which of course they did not have. Just a reminder that Jesus has recently empowered his disciples to go out And when he empowered them to go share the good news and even to heal people, he told them, do not take anything with you. Instead, rely on the people that you meet and the resources that you find in the villages to which you travel. And so here again, he asked them to consider their resources. My husband, Paul, who many of you know, is the program director of a project through Mercer University that involves bringing faith leaders and healthcare providers in rural communities together to help find solutions for the health disparities that we have in rural counties of Georgia. Recently, in one of those counties, they held a dinner and they brought the leaders of the community together to consider 
what are our assets, our resources, what are our challenges, and how do we find solutions to the challenges that we're facing? In the middle of this discussion, one of the healthcare leaders said, it feels like our challenges are an iceberg, that you look at the challenges on the surface, but when you dive deeper, there are so many more challenges underneath. He lamented over the challenges of this iceberg of issues. But then another leader pointed out that they could look at their resources in the same way. We may look on the surface and feel like we have a scarcity of resources, but when we dive deeper, we have an iceberg full of resources to pull from. By the end of the evening, all of the people present agreed that they had discovered an iceberg of hope. Jesus looks at the disciples and encourages them to look beyond the scarcity and see what resources they could discover. Could it be that there is hope of feeding thousands of people right in their midst? Is abundance available to them? Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, brings a little boy to Jesus and says, this little boy has five barley loaves and two fish that he is willing to share. But that is just a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. But Jesus says, sit the people down in groups because I can work with this. And he blessed the food and handed it out to all who were present. Scarcity may seem obvious, but abundance is available, which leads us to our third lesson for the day. A drop in the bucket has a basket full of potential. From these five barley loaves and two fish, Jesus was able to provide enough food to feed the crowd miraculously. Feeding the hungry is both an act of compassion and a demonstration of the kingdom of God in our midst. Sometimes in the places that are least likely for us to expect it. When all of the people had eaten, Jesus says to his disciples, gather up the pieces that are left over so that nothing will be wasted. So they gathered them and they filled 12 baskets full, left over from the five barley loaves used to feed a crowd. 
We can just imagine the amazement of that little boy who, when his simple meal became the offering that Jesus used to fill a multitude from what he had to offer. We have some insight given to us by John that we don't see in the other gospel writers' stories. And that is that these loaves of bread are made from barley. Bible study writer Margaret Feinberg points out that the barley loaves are not the soft, fluffy, lighter loaves of the more privileged, but rather barley would have been a more affordable grain for the less privileged in their society. It would have been pounded out into small unleavened disc, just perfect for carrying in a bag provided by a loving parent for a little boy's adventure into the country for a day. They would have been small and yet dense with nutrition, sturdy enough to provide the filling for a little tummy. And just right, it seems, for Jesus to use to feed a crowd full of people. Just a little boy, just five very average pieces of bread, nothing special, but more than enough. How often do we, I wonder, ask ourselves what we have to offer God? In a world where we often compare ourselves to others and measure our giftedness among the giftedness of others and find ourselves lacking, how often do we stand up and make our offering to Jesus, imagining that God could do much more with it than we could possibly think. Our church youth group goes to passport camp most summers. And um, passport camp was founded by my two good friends, David and Colleen Burroughs. Many of you know Milligan Burroughs. Our youth intern is the daughter of David and Colleen. For many years, they have taken 40 teenagers from the United States and traveled to Kenya to join with 40 teenagers from Kenya to have passport camp. That is made even sweeter because of our partnership with Africa Exchange and Sam and Melody Harrell. Colleen told me a story from their first year of Passport Kenya and has given me permission to share it with you today. This was not a mission trip. 
It was a cross-cultural exchange where 40 American students and 40 Kenyan students gathered together to spend time together. It is a time to hang out with the family of God and to discover what they have in common, and it is a lot. Like Camp Anywhere, Passport Kenya campers study the Bible, play games, eat meals together, have parties at night, and take part in a mission component, which is a requirement for everyone who is present. Sometimes that mission component is in Nairobi, and sometimes they take a trip to one of Africa Exchange's child development centers. On that very first session of Passport Kenya, Sam made plans for the entire group to lead in a day of play at a children's home in Kibera. Kibera is known as the largest slum on the outskirts of Nairobi. Some people estimate that as many as 250,000 people live there with little access to electricity or running water. On the last full day of camp, they loaded up three or four minibuses full of teenagers and headed the 45 minutes to Kibera. The teenage campers were ready. They had organized themselves into groups to play games, to make crafts, and to sing songs. As they left the paved roads and hit the dirt ones of Kibera, children began chasing the buses and calling to the students for one dollar. The windows were open, but the passport campers had their orders. No candy, no pictures, no earphones or music to drown away the sound of the world outside their windows. Just smiles and waves. They were headed to the top of the hill to a children's home. When they arrived... They had planned for 40 children, and 200 showed up. So they adjusted. The U.S. teenagers followed the lead of the Kenyan teenagers who spoke Swahili. The students jumped off of the buses and began to do exactly what was expected of them. A parachute game was kicking up dust in a grassless field, a colorful oasis under a gray sky. A strapping Kenyan-American Bible study leader was leading songs. Colleen went to check on him to see how things were going, and he looked down on her with kids swinging from each arm and said, I remember my mother singing this song to me. It became apparent very quickly that there was not enough food to feed the multitude. They had planned on 40 children, and 200 children showed up. In something akin to our story today from John, they began to ask the questions, do we send them home to eat? Do we travel to a nearby store? But there was no food for them at home. 
and there was no nearby store. So while the teenagers played and told stories and colored pictures, David and Colleen and Sam walked around and whispered into the ears of the teenagers, we don't have enough food for all of these children. And the Kenyan and American teenagers responded without hesitation or exception, give them my lunch, feed the children. When given the opportunity to be extraordinary, teenagers often rise to the occasion. The teenagers continued to lavish love on the children while the staff took inventory of the lunches. They had brought about 72 sandwiches and a few bags of chips. So breathing a prayer of blessing, they began to break the sandwiches into pieces And they divided chips onto paper plates made out of pieces of brown paper packages torn up. They prayed, they sorted, they worried a little bit, wondering what happens if the food runs out before the children. Who do we send home hungry? How will we decide who gets to eat? On days like that, it's really helpful to remember a little boy with a sack lunch that fed a multitude of people. Pretty soon a line began to form outside the door as the big kids brought the little kids by for lunch. And tiny hands received scraps of brown paper bags piled with pieces of sandwiches and chips. It was communion food. And as those children sat their lunches in front of them, they sat down beside the teenage versions of Jesus, who came to teach them and to love them. Everyone was fed, and there were leftovers. My friends, a drop in the bucket has a basket full of potential. Your drop in the bucket has a basket full of potential. Last week as Sean wrapped up his series on losing my religion, he reminded us that one of the most important things that we cannot lose sight of as followers of Jesus is the outcome that our faith should be the way of Jesus as our way of life. We immerse ourselves into the way of Jesus so that we can move and be in the world in the way of Jesus. And when we do that, our neighbors are no longer strangers or people that are different from us, but rather the image of God right in front of us. 
when we consider the truth that the way of Jesus is our way of life, then the outcome is that we desire to move into the world believing that compassion for others will guide us into behaving more like Christ. That when we look around us and scarcity seems obvious, that we know that abundance is available to us if we dig deeper into hope. And that our drop in the bucket has a basket full of potential when offered to Jesus.